Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. We all want to help our clients get better results and improve their businesses and all that good stuff. And on top of that, just being like nice to be able to do and say you do, like it makes clients so much happier when you can get them actual results instead of just making them websites, which is what we're talking about today specifically. Um, And along with that, happier clients are just more fun for you to deal with, and it means more business for you down the road. The happier your clients are, the more likely they are to refer people to you in the future and come back for more work. So that is always good. But designing websites that actually get good conversions and get our clients results isn't like super easy and straightforward. I wish it was. I wish we could like, you know, not have to put extra thought and effort into it and we just make these conversion machines, but that's not the way it works. So today we're gonna go over some steps for how you can get better conversions for your web design projects and what that looks like. I think this is going to be a really great topic, especially for those designers who maybe are just working with web for the first time, because I know when I was just getting started doing blog designs and even website designs, I didn't really think about the strategy behind, you know, why I was placing certain things in certain places or what kind of an impact on their business it would have, like, well, if I link this thing in the header on their website, what is it going to do versus linking this other thing? So I definitely think this is going to be a good one for all the newbie web designers who should hopefully be listening. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. And I used, I never thought about this stuff either. Like I'm thinking back to my first, my first two blogs for sure. And even the one I'm running right now, I had no clue about this stuff. I didn't even think about it. You know, I, I did try offering web design uh, right when I launched my current website and luckily I didn't get any clients. But when I was, you know, making like test projects, I didn't think of this stuff. I just wanted it to look good. And I think that's, I mean, that's fine when you're getting started one thing at a time, but hopefully these simple things we're going to go over today will help you out. And it's, it's less of a process and more of like little tips you can kind of implement one by one. So hopefully that will be helpful too. Um, But we will start with something I want to make sure you think about before you even start any project. Um, And that is the right kinds of conversions are going to be different for each of your clients. Like even if they're in the same industry, but more specifically, if you're thinking of clients in different industries, for example, some might be focused on really growing their email list, while others are going to be focused on booking consult calls, and then others are going to be focused on selling products. So I might talk, you know, in most of my examples, I'm probably going to talk about email lists just because that's the one that always comes to the front of my mind first, and that's what I focus on the most. But you always want to think about what what is relevant for each specific client. So get that information from them at the very beginning of the project. 
Um, I can't think of what, what episodes we've talked about this before, but definitely in your questionnaire, your intake forms, have a couple questions on what their goals are for their website, what they want to get out of it, what actions they want readers to take when they are on their website, and that will help you get off to the right start and you can put it in place for the rest of the things we are going to go over. Definitely. It's also a good idea to kind of ask what they're doing, you know, with their business, if that's not Mm -hmm. obvious by looking. So like on my site, someone might be a little confused by what kind of conversions I want, because I am trying to sell design services, but I also have all this stuff for designers. So it's kind of two separate things. And if you have a client where you're looking at their site, and you're like, I don't know what's the most important important thing for them like where do they really want to be making their money what's you know driving them and what they do day to day then definitely be sure to ask them because this is really going to be the key to the meat of your web design I would say I think that's a really good point and even if like looking at their current website you can tell you don't know if they might be planning to change directions or something like that so Regardless, that would be a really awesome question to have on a form to see where they are now and where they want to be so you can help them get there. So I'm glad you brought that up. So after you know what the goals are, you want to keep those goals in mind throughout the entire project. Every decision you make should be based on these goals. So if you need like sticky notes on your computer where you like have what your client's main goals are, do that. So you want to make sure each page on their website is entirely focused on a specific goal. And I say specific goal because your clients are going to have multiple goals. So for example, if they are trying to uh, sell more services, they might have goals like, you know, building trust with their audience, uh, building their email list, and I don't know, having people read their blog posts. But you want to make sure each page is as focused on one of those things as possible. Um, so maybe if, if we are focusing on email opt-ins on one page, we don't want a ton of social media widgets or other distracting things all over the place because people will click those things and, you know, navigate away from the website rather than opting in. So after you finish the design of a page, go back over it and see if there's anything that would distract someone away from the goal that you were thinking about when you're designing this page and if that goal is really supported and will help move your client forward. I think this is a really good task you can add to like your process while you're designing each of these pages. Um, Just to go back and kind of look over what you have included on the page and make sure it's relevant and it's going to help them move in the right direction. And I do just want to point out here that it is important to think about their goals and what could be competing because I think email opt-ins and social media really do compete with each other on our websites nowadays. And we actually have a current client as of recording this. Um, who has a ton of stuff for social media in her sidebar, but also wanted email opt-ins in several different places on her site. So we were both trying to explain, you know, the more social media stuff you put on the sidebar, someone is literally going to click that and go to that profile, and they may never look at your website ever again. So that's something important to keep in mind when you're working on these designs for your clients and the kind of distractions that you want to avoid when you are building each page individually. 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And we recorded an episode about um, designing for clients with multiple goals that you guys might want to go back and listen to. Um, but that's a good point. And it can be confusing. Like, you know, trying to balance these things is hard, but you just have to do the best you can based on what um, your client has given you to work with. Basically, you can't you can't always make things perfect, so you also have to make them happy. So just do what you can, explain yourself if you need to, and in the end, you'll probably end up compromising like we had to do with this client who has three different social media widgets in her sidebar. So. Yep. <laughs> it may be painful if you have to compromise, but at the end of the day, at least you will know that you have informed or educated them on the importance of that kind of strategy. Yep, yep, the guilt is off your shoulders. (laughs) All right, so after that, make sure each page on the website ends with a call to action. And this is one of the biggest mistakes I see out there. Like if I'm on someone's about page and I scroll to the end and it's like nothing, I'm like, well... Well, now what? Like, what do you want me to do next? What makes sense for me to do? And especially people who don't have like something in their footer, like some kind of call to action. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm done here. So where should people go once they read through the about page or fill out a contact form or something like that? Don't make those places be dead ends. So for example, the about page can end with maybe an email opt-in or a button that leads visitors to products or services, kind of whatever makes the most sense for your clients. But just make sure that's not just like ending with, you know, nowhere for readers to go. Um, Along with kind of those more standard pages, also think of blog posts and how you can make that easier for your clients. So I like to, when I can, build related posts or an opt-in form into the end of every blog post. So, um... In WordPress, you can add a little widget area right after the blog post is done and embed an opt-in form there so your client doesn't have to remember to do it and you know that their readers are always going to have somewhere to go afterwards. I also think this is another really amazing point. I guess I should just stop saying that because all of your points are great. But (laughs) I do have a question for you that I think is going to build a good conversation based off this one. And it is if you have, like on my site, I have several different kind of things going on in the footer. How much is too much to put at the end of like the about page, for example, for the call to action because I know I have Mm -hmm. I think three buttons where you can check out different pages on my site and then a little bit more personal text but I could easily see where someone could have a really overwhelming footer and then also like jam some crazy stuff in their about page and it'd be like just too much yeah that's a really good question Um, I, I mean, whenever possible, I always like to focus on one specific call to action at the end of pages, for sure. Um, that's just gonna, you know, you have more control over where people go. If you really don't care, you can try having, you know, more than one and see what happens. Um, and this is especially true for people who have footers like ours with, you know, three columns or whatever and different things shoved in there. Um, you definitely don't want someone to get to the bottom and be like, oh my gosh, so many things. What do I do? You know, where should I go? Overwhelmed leave the site, you know? Um, But I think as long as they kind of complement each other, they support each other, they're not all like super hard calls to action. Like for example, I think I should, I should look in your footer before I talk, but I'm not going to. (laughs) If I remember correctly, do you have like an about section, maybe email opt-in or something and Instagram? (laughs) So I have the email opt-in. I have the call to action to join the Facebook group 
a menu bar of random things that aren't in my top menu and then Instagram. So yeah, close enough. See, see, and I think that's good. You wouldn't want to have too many things like um, the call to action to join the Facebook group and the email list. But I think the menu and Instagram really balances that out well because those are just things people are going to click on kind of um, if they want to, especially the menu. They're not going to like get super distracted by that. It's just like if they need it, it's there. So I think that's great. So just be careful that things aren't like pulling people too hard in all different kinds of directions and that they complement each other. Totally. So just to build off that, I'm not going to let you change the subject back to the episode yet. That's good. Um, so if someone was designing a website with a footer like either one of ours, would you tell them put another call to action at the end of the page just to make sure the visitor is going where your client wants them to go or would you say be really strategic about what your footer call to actions are so you don't overwhelm them good question so i like to use the footer as kind of like a fail safe so if someone doesn't see something they want in the page they always have the footer there So I like to see, um, you know, the footer have their main goal supported, but still within pages, build in a call to action that fits really well and makes a lot of sense for that specific page. So like I said before, the about page, something that would fit really well is maybe an email opt-in or even an introduction to products and services. On the contact page, for example, someone's not going to go hire you or buy something when they're waiting to hear from you. So maybe social media links are great for the contact page. So I really like to use, even if there are calls to action in the footer I still like to use the bottom of each page as like something that's really really relevant that you can get readers to do when they're prepped for it if that makes sense does that make sense (laughs) yeah that makes a ton of sense and I know that's going to be really helpful for everyone who's like what do I do with calls to action at the bottom of the site help me (laughs) (laughs) good I'm glad you asked and drilled me on that I like to just kind of fly through things so it's good all right, so let's move on to our next point here. If Corey is cool with it, are you yes. cool with it? Yes, okay, <laughs> we're ready good. now. No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if after each page ends with a call to action, I want you to look at those calls to action, whether they're at the end of the page or someone else, and make sure your client is not asking for the sale too soon. So as designers, developers, we know that people aren't going to come to our website and just like book us for a high price product or service, like from our header, for example. Um, We talked about stuff like this in episode 16 about things that are kind of um, losing you clients. You might want to go back to and listen to that and you can still apply that to both yourself and your client projects. Um, But although we know, you know, someone's not going to book us from the head of our website, your client might not know this. So if they want you to put something like a link to their services page right in their website header, Um, that's where you can come in as the expert and explain to them why it's not going to benefit them that much. And you can suggest something different that will help them. So if they do want to ask for that sale, maybe say, hey, you know, an email opt-in would be better here because you can get people on your email list, nurture them, and you can ask for the sale in your email instead once they're used to you rather than, you know, right when they meet you in the header of your website. Um, Along with that, don't be afraid to go above and beyond and create extra resources that teach your client about these things. So I like to include things like funnel guides or workbooks to make sure they're educated. And this doesn't have to like be crazy in depth. Like you're a designer, you're not a funnel expert, but you know more than your client. So even if it's just like a simple checklist or something they can keep in mind, you can make that once and have it to give to all of them. So these kinds of things make more sense. 
Um, and we have episode in episode four, we talked about going above and beyond and providing extra resources and things like that. So you might want to check that out. Um, but as long as you're just doing your best to educate them, that's really all you can do. And like we said before, sometimes they won't listen. Actually, the client we're talking about, I think kind of has something similar going on here. We're like, well, this doesn't really make that much sense in your header. She didn't want to listen to that. But hey, we tried. So try where you can and then compromise where you have to with this kind of thing. Sometimes it's all about the compromise. It's really tough. I know I've had a lot of clients and I'm sure especially you since strategy is like your thing. You're just like, but this is not a good idea, yeah. you guys. And then sometimes at the end of the day, you're just like, okay, whatever. I've tried mm -hmm. and you don't care. So I'm going to do what you say and move on mm -hmm. so we can all be happy. Yeah, we can <laughs> only have so many headaches over this. So whatever. Yep. Designing a strategic website that gets your clients results and turns around to benefit your own business is no small feat. It's an all new process and way of thinking that needs to be added to your design projects and it can take years to figure out how it all works. But I've got a way for you to speed up the process. Design Your Own Pixel Perfect Production is a workbook and ebook combo to lead you through every step of the process, including improving your own website, getting your clients real results through a perfectly strategic design, and knowing the questions to ask before and after the project to be able to have real results to compare. If you're ready to learn the exact steps you need to craft a strategic website, implement it flawlessly, and see results in your own business, head over to getbacktodesign.co slash strategy workbook to learn more and use the code getbacktodesign for $10 off your copy. After that, prepare to take action and see happier clients, better testimonials, more referrals, and those higher paying clients you've been waiting for. All right, next, a great way to help kind of boost conversions for your design clients is making sure they have pictures of themselves on more than just the about page. So this one is nice and simple, but it is huge in building trust and personal connections with their audiences, especially today when it seems like personal connection is so important, especially for service-based businesses. Um, but knowing, just knowing what someone looks like adds so much extra trust really, really quickly, which is huge in the buying process. So make sure no one will land on your client's website without knowing what they look like. So I like to have headshots when I can on the homepage, the sidebar, and at the end of blog posts in addition to that about page. So then people are just kind of building familiarity. It's not right there in their face, but they know who your client is, what they look like, and they have that connection. So I have another question for you here, Krista. Mm -hmm. And I think I know the answer because we have talked about this before, but I'm going to ask you anyway. If you are designing, okay, so you aren't designing, but if someone is designing <laughs> a website for their clients and they have a blog and they have the sidebar, do you recommend to have that section at the end of blog posts, kind of like what you have that is the bio with the headshot as well, even though most of mm -hmm. us also have this in the sidebar, yeah. or do you think that's a little overkill? Good question. I do think that's probably overkill and that you could use use that space at the end of blog posts for something um, more relevant. So maybe do base it off of whether or not they have a sidebar. But yeah, we don't want to plaster anyone's faces all over the dang website. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. Yeah. So let's say if they have a sidebar, they don't need it there. But if they do, it's, it's a great thing to add. Obviously, they don't have to have it there. But it's a great thing for build, building familiarity, especially because so many people find blogs through like Pinterest and might come to the site not knowing the person. So 
it's great to have it at least once on those pages if you can. All right, and then the last tip I have for you guys today is to make sure you're showing off your client's testimonials. Whether they run a product or service-based business, testimonials are great if they have them to show off. Um, and I see a lot of people, myself included in the past, who just bury testimonials in the portfolio. So they write up, you know, a little portfolio blog post or just, you know, a port on their portfolio page. That's the only place where they put the testimonials. But that doesn't do them a lot of good because people aren't going there unless they're already ready to hire. So why not build a little extra trust right from the beginning if you can? So I really like to see the best testimonials pulled out, maybe the top two, maybe three, um, and featured places like the homepage, maybe even the about page or a separate testimonials page if they have a lot of them. But I definitely think the homepage is a really great place, especially if um, they are service-based and trying to um, get people to trust them enough. Like for myself, I focus on this a lot because people don't tend to trust developers very easily because there are so many like scary stories. So for me, that's why I'm like so focused. Like I need testimonials everywhere. So this can also be based on what kind of business your client runs. Like if they're a coach, coaches need a lot of trust built up. So, you know, extra testimonials around there are great. So just think of who your client is and where these testimonials will best fit them as long as they're not just buried in the portfolio. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point about having them buried in the portfolio because I was just thinking that before we had our whole conversation about having a separate page, which we've talked about this in an older episode, but I was totally opposed to it. And then I just had a moment where I was like, okay, whatever, this is actually a good idea. And before that, I'm pretty sure that my testimonials were buried in the portfolio project. And if your clients have portfolios, then think about your potential clients. Like not everyone is going to open up all of your projects to see if your client had something nice to say about you, yeah. you know? So it's definitely important to think about these other strategic places. Like you mentioned a separate page or the homepage. That's a really great place for it um, to kind of show off these kind words and like ways to help people want to work with you because otherwise yeah. I mean honestly I can't think people might not have ever seen some of my testimonials <laughs> yeah. before I, I changed that how sad is that <laughs> all right so as a quick recap of today's episode Increasing conversions does not have to be hard, but it does take a little extra thought and a little extra effort. Um, like Corey said, it's great to kind of add different parts to your process to kind of check in with yourself as you're going through a website design. Um, but in the end, it is totally worth the extra work for you to have happier clients with better results because that just means a better business for you where you're happier and hopefully have more clients coming in as a result. So do your best to keep everything focused on your client's goals, help them build trust and make sure they have an idea to, of how to actually like make sales. Even though it's not technically your job, you can definitely help them get started. So for your action steps today, I want you to go back to the last website you designed and take note of what you could have done better and then pay attention to those types of things in your next project. So maybe make yourself a checklist of things to pay attention to and make sure you don't make the same mistakes again. And also, I think you could even note here, go back to the last project you did 
and slash or your own website because most designers do their own websites unless you're like a few of those who are like, oh, just someone else take care of it, which has been me in the past. But um, then you can see, you know, firsthand and you can play around with changing some of that stuff out and seeing how it can help boost your conversions that you can then pass on to your own clients. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design. Oh,